Psalm 32, very powerful psalm. It connects to Psalm 51, another very powerful psalm. Both of them powerful because it deals with an enormous failure and victory in the life of King David. And it allows us to take a look into one of God's greatest gifts. See, that's the hardest thing to describe. What would God's greatest gift to us be? And we, we can say that in a lot of ways. We can say, well, Jesus, yeah, okay, life, the Word, the Spirit, salvation, all those things, and, and, and they're all right. And, and so we're not trying to exclude the big truth. But I want to take some time today, because those two texts, and we're going to focus on, on Psalm 32, um, they focus in on one of the greatest expressions of the love of God for us, which would be forgiveness. How many of us here need forgiveness? How, how many of us here need forgiveness really bad? I mean, seriously. What if there was none? Think about it. What if there was none? David, in Psalm 51, is pouring out his heart to God, spent over a year away from God, doing unspeakable sins. He, 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 none of us, I mean, only God knew. There's no way anybody could know that David would behave in such a way. We're not, we're not sitting in the condemnation of David, but it, it, it was, you just couldn't imagine that out coming out of the life of David. And yet it did. And it tortured his soul, and he pours his heart out to God in Psalm 51, and he pleads for the greatest blessing any sinner can have, which is forgiveness. And God graciously grants it. And he speaks about now in Psalm 32, he speaks about what he was feeling and what he was thinking during all that time. So looking at his life, we want to just focus our attention this morning on forgiveness. What is it? Okay. Now, there's a forgiveness that's not in this text specifically. We're just going to use this as introduction. There's a forgiveness that is a once and for all forgiveness that is the most forgiveness. The most important forgiveness of all, without it, there is no other forgiveness. And that is the once and for all forgiveness of our sins by the grace of Jesus Christ. Paul talks about that. The once and for all forgiveness. In Colossians 2, he says, And you who were dead in trespasses, your trespasses, not some nameless ones, your sin, you who were dead in your trespasses, and uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven, done, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to his cross. The average person you talk to is counting on the Ten Commandments, getting them to heaven. They won't. The Ten Commandments demand that we are eternally punished in hell. They stand as an indictment 
of all of us. Because in one way or another, according to Jesus, who usually gets it right, okay, uh, according to him, in one way or another, each of us has violated all of God's laws. It's true. And so the law stands as an indictment against us that demands our judgment and eternal banishment from God. And what did Jesus do with that law? He took it in his hand. And he laid it on his cross. He got nailed. The indictment that demanded your eternal punishment was nailed to the cross through Jesus' hand. Isn't that amazing? Forgiveness is such a great thing. The psalmist says this, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. You can't get any farther than the east is from the west. Micah said this, the prophet, he will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Micah had no, and the people of his day, had no, no greater way to speak of the complete banishment of our sin than the bottom of the sea, where no one could go. Hebrew says this, For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, I will remember their sins no more. Isn't that amazing? Because we're so good, right? Just seeing if you were listening. <laughs> and that eternal forgiveness that is available to all in only one place, in faith alone, in Christ alone, who came for us and died for us and rose again from the dead on the third day and promises eternal life to all who will trust him. So there's that once and forever forgiveness. Our sins are gone. Our sins are gone. Now, day by day, they're not so gone. But when it comes to the end game, the eternal picture, your sins are gone. Depths of the sea, as far as the east is from the west. That's pretty good news. Actually, there's no better news, is there? None. But then there's a, a, another. I mean, David experienced the eternal banishment of the sin, forgiven once and for all and forever, but then, then there's our day-to-day -day life, our ongoing, everyday need for everyday, ongoing obedience. And that's the... the purpose and the focus of our text. Um, this, we, we know this, but well, we know the gospel, but it's, it's so easy to not think about, and it's so powerful when we do. So this is going to be nothing new or particularly intellectually challenging. It may be for me, but not for you. Okay. It's just important for us to remember what God's gracious gift of forgiveness to us on a day-to-day -day basis, because we still need it, right? You ask Jesus to save you, for me, it's like 120 years ago. <laughs> In dog years, maybe, but, but it's a long time ago. But there's been 
quite a few uh, billion needs for forgiveness since then. And so it's a familiar thing. We understand this, but there's great power and joy in just thinking through these simple things. Okay, so three very important aspects of this glorious gift of day-to-day forgiveness for our sins as believers. That's where we're going. At least that's the attempt. We'll see where we went by the end. The first part of the gift of forgiveness may not be obvious to you, but that is it's a gift of shame. The law produces shame, and, and what good is that? What good is the shame? Without it, we would know what? That's a tough, that's a stupid question. Okay, okay. I'll just answer, I'll answer it. <laughs> Should have asked it differently. Without shame, we would never know that we are sinners. And without shame, we would never know that as a child of God who loves him and will one day spend eternity with him, that I have done something to hurt and offend him. That is going to have consequence in our relationship, more than in our life, our relationship. And so there's, there's this factor of shame that is a gift from God, like pain. If you didn't have pain, if I didn't have pain in my body, I would have less fingers. Wouldn't you? Now think about it. That wasn't too hard. <laughs> We'd have less body parts. Be like, oh, I don't know why I'm not walking. You lost a foot! Pain is, is God, I mean, it's not pleasant, but it's God's gift to us that screams, something's wrong so something can be done. And so God graciously, a part, a part of this day-to-day forgiveness is when we step out of line, we may not listen, but God's spirit will get a bit louder, correct? And when he does, it's not pleasant, it hurt, it's embarrassing, it's, it's uh, humiliating. It's, and then there's the part of it where you're just grieved by the damage that that sin did to relationships that, that you value and love, right? So, so that's no fun being reminded. Yeah, but it's way better than not knowing. And to continue to go on in a path that is destructive to your relationships with everyone, including Jesus Christ himself. And so David thanks God for, blessed is the one, back now we're in Psalm 32 finally, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. Or in the translation that I was using for this text, oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt. Think about that. Whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, which David did for up to a year, I don't know how, I'm a sinner too, but I, I well, I, I don't know how you can be, be that miserable for a year. Um, but he did. I know I could do every sin that he did, but I don't know how you could wait a year. I'm not, that, I'm not that brave to just keep gutting it out. Like, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Fall on God's grace. When I refused to confess my sin, 
David's being just straight up honest. My body wasted away. I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy upon me. Strength evaporated like water in the summer, in the summer heat. And then in the, it's a psalm, so it's a song. There's a break there. So you listen and think about it for a minute before he moves on. That's the purpose of these little breaks in the psalms. Just, okay, now. Okay, okay no, stop. David said, and, and it's a clear indication that he loved God. I mean, his sin is his sin, which is a clear indication that he was born a sinner, like ours is. But his reaction, his pain, his suffering with his sin that nobody was pointing out at the time. Eventually, God pointed out, but until then, it was just he and her that knew. He says it tortured him. It, it brought grief and pain and groaning. And, and that was a gift from God till he finally would stop and deal with his sin appropriately and put it behind him before more time was lost and more of his life was destroyed and the lives around him. The longer he went unrepentant, the greater the destruction to his life and those around him. Correct? Same for us. So the joy of pain is, you, you know, hey, be careful when you grab that saw. Be careful when you close that door. Or if you're me and have no hair, then you walk under, you, you walk through this little doorway that's just, just about high enough. High enough for you to think you're going to make it, low enough to take a divot in your head. <laughs> okay. So what's the pain for? It's to remind you, hey, stupid, check next time. Take your time. Where were you going? Now everybody's going to see how foolish you were. As soon as you bend over, they're going to say, what's that? It looks like Florida on your head. I don't know what that is. <laughs> Shame is a gift from God. Because your sin's going to destroy you if it's not dealt with. And, and if we don't feel the shame of our sin, the guilt of our sin, then we're going to keep along that path. And God loves you too much to let you go. He'll get louder. So the sooner we respond to the pain, the better we are. The better we are. So shame that comes from God is God's love and grace to each of us. So obviously... When it comes to this issue of the blessing of everyday forgiveness, is it starts with God's gracious gift of shame. Then it gets to the forgiveness part here in verse five. Okay, so he goes on. Okay, talking about all the pain and the suffering that he experienced, and then you get to verse five of chapter thirty-two. He says, "I acknowledged my sin to you." So, so he, so he said, "I finally owned it." I mean, he knew God knew. He knew. He knew. But the problem is, he had to acknowledge it. He had to own it. Confesses, you own it without excuse, without alteration, without editing. Well, okay, it's like a lawyer. Well, okay, I'll give you this because you can prove it in court, but I'm not admitting to this because you have no evidence. How much evidence does God have? All. Oh, good answer. He's got it all. So like, oh, hi, okay, you know. And when David finally repented, he's like, I'm going to tell you it all. No holding back. 
I confess all of my sins to you. He calls them sins. And stop trying to hide my guilt. He confesses the sin and he confesses hiding it for so long. I will confess my rebellion. These are strong words. You know, I've had a few misdeeds lately. A couple of things that weren't like is, is like the best choice. Do you find that anywhere in this psalm? This is, this is, you know, this is, this is Dave saying, no, a couple of things I could have done better. He calls them sin. He talks about it as guilt. And he talks about it as rebellion. And he says, it's mine. I did this. I deserve this. I own this. No, you know, one of the most amazing things in Psalm 51 when he is, he's confessing his sin to God. Her name never comes up. Not even that woman. There's no reference to Bathsheba in Psalm 51. None. Because his sin was his sin 100%. Well, you know, it's kind of like her fault too. She had her sin. That's between her and God. David's sin was all his. And so confession is what I did was sin and I did it. Not proud. I did it. And it is sin, and it is wrong. I own it. My guilt is mine. All my and he says, and what 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 you did is you forgave the, the um, tax forgiveness, loan forgiveness. Not to take you to a bad place um, in your thoughts this morning, okay? But but it's like that word forgiveness. Like oh, isn't that amazing? Like they. They copied a Bible word for, for money stuff. No, actually, it's, it's a financial term, a legal term, that God used to describe salvation. When it comes to... The, it, it's, it isn't... Forgiveness is not you get more time or we'll pretend it didn't happen. Forgiveness is you did this, you hurt me by not paying that money, here's the number, and I canceled it. I don't give you better terms, thank God. I don't give you more time. You don't need more time because if God gives us more time, what do we do with that time? We add to our debt, don't we? So what he's saying here is the, the, the everyday forgiveness is this. God gets you guilty and then you finally get to your knees and you own it and God will take that debt and he will take it as far as the east is from the west in the bottom of the sea. You will never see it again because that, that indictment against that sin was nailed to his cross. What a glorious truth. But in the day-to-day -day part of my life, it has to be confessed. Uh, one of my favorite verses learned it 100 years ago, so it was in the King James. Um, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, and literally the text is saying, if we keep on confessing our sins. Why would we have to keep on confessing our sins? Pretend it's a Sunday school when you say something back. Because we keep sinning. Exactly right. So if we keep on confessing our sins, he is faithful and just to keep on forgiving us our sins and to keep on cleansing us from all unrighteousness. It's like, doesn't it drive you crazy that, that it gets like it's every day more than once? <laughs> Way more than once. 
And we think something's wrong. God's like, no, 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 no. I know you. I love you. I saved you. But while you're breathing life until you're glorified, you're going to keep on sinning, and I provided a way. He says that in, in, in chapter 2 there. He says, little children, these things I write unto you that you sin not. But when you do, we have an advocate with the Father. And who is that advocate? Jesus Christ. And so the, the, the glory here is, I, for me to have my sin forgiven, the day-to-day -day kind of forgiveness, I have to own it. I did it. It was wrong. Please forgive me. That's the whole of it. It's kind of like salvation. It's uncomplicated. It's not easy. It's, it's easier to come up with excuses, is it not? It's easier when it comes to salvation for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. It's hard for somebody to admit that they're a lost sinner and there's no good thing they have done or could ever do to warrant a, an eternity with Christ in heaven. It's hard. But it's the only way. And day by day, it's hard to own the fact that, yes, that was not a mistake. Okay, if it's 2 plus 2 equals 5, that's a mistake. If you got angry, if you had the wrong thought, if any number, I'm not, not going to keep going into my list of sins, okay, um, it could take a while. It's sin and it's mine. And, and give me more time, I'll make it up to you. Shut up. Give me more time and I'll mess it up more. So just, just confess it. Just own it. It's sin, it's mine, I did it. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. So, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. So, the truth here is, in forgiveness, practical day-to-day -day shame that comes to us through the Holy Spirit for our real sins is a gift from God. It finally gets our attention so we can deal with the real issue and move on with like, hey, we're okay now, God, we okay? No! You're not okay till you own it. Which sin? You've got too many, but he'll keep reminding you of the ones. <laughs> he will. You can't confess them all at once. You don't know them all. But day by day, God's Spirit will convict you. You'll hear, you'll see, somebody will tell you. Your spouse may remind you. Um, your kids may remind you. You may remind them. And when we're confronted with our sin, we own it. No excuses. If you add an excuse, then the whole confession just became an excuse. There was no confession. It's a confession alone, or it's nothing at all that God's asking you for. The third part of this day-to-day -day forgiveness is glorious. Verse, beginning in verse 6 of chapter 32. Therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time that they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment, for you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. So what is God's reaction to, I respond to the pain of my shame, and then I, I own it. I finally just own it all. No excuses. No promises. I just own my sin, which is, that's, that's what he said, right? 
confess my sin. He never said promise never to do it again. And he certainly didn't say lie about it. Own it. Ask for forgiveness. And when we do that, he says, here's what I'll do. I will guide you along the best paths for your life. I will advise you. I will watch over you. Don't be like the senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it in control. My sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. To be specific in this case, God's unfailing love comes to all those who trust the Lord. Confess your sin. Own it. Own it. Own it all. Own it as fast as you can see it. Own it completely without excuse. And don't point to the other participants. God will talk to them. He's talking to you. And confess it and ask for forgiveness. And he says, if you do that, you're, you're going to experience God's unfailing love. Forgiveness. Go back to the verses we read earlier about our sin. As far as the east is from the west, the, the depths of the sea, nailed to his cross. God will not bring it back up again. Shout for joy, all you whose hearts are pure. Well, how many, of, how many people in here have a pure heart? That, that's a trick question because you're going to say, oh. <laughs> How can I stand here and say I have a pure heart? Because when, at any moment when God confronts me lovingly, either loud or soft, he does different things to get our attention, and I hear the, God, the, the, the truth about my sin, and I own it, I am, what's it say? Pure. This issue of day-to-day forgiveness, that's why it's filled with praise. It's like this is, this is God's glorious gift. If we confess our sins, if we keep on confessing our sins, he's faithful. He's just. He will keep on forgiving us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a great gift. Forgiveness. The forgiveness of our sin, which is real, which is permanent, which is divine, which is eternal. Thank God for his indescribable, unspeakable gift. Let's pray again. Father, I thank you that there's a way. You have graciously, at an infinitely high price, provided for us the eternal solution to our sin and the day-to-day solution to our sin. The eternal solution saves our soul forever, but the day-to-day saves our relationship, our friendship, our fellowship, our communion, our lives. We thank you, Lord, that you will continue to forgive us every time we ask. When that ask comes every time, we own it as sin and as ours, and we come to you. Thank you, Father, for your unspeakable gift. In Jesus' name, amen.